Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hey there, guys! Thank you so much for clicking on episode 29 of Disability After Dark. Really, really excited that you did, and really excited that we even hit 29 episodes of this show. That's pretty incredible, given that we don't talk about disability very much, and sexuality and disability. That we have reached 29 episodes is pretty fucking awesome. So thank you so much for listening. On whatever platform you're on, be it your computer, be it your iPhone, be it your Google Android device, your TV, because you can apparently do podcasts that way now. However you're listening, thank you for making this conversation happen and for talking about sex and disability with me. So for this episode, I interviewed somebody that I've been following on the Twitter sphere for about, I want to say maybe about a year. They're doing really awesome work around sexuality and chronic illness. This is something that I think is so important because we don't talk enough about sexuality and disability generally, but we specifically don't really talk about what happens when you're ill and trying to navigate sexuality. And I think what my guest today has done is so necessary and so important. They've created something very similar to Disability After Dark based around chronic illnesses called Chronic Sex. I just think it's an amazing title and amazing it's an amazing movement. That's what it is, because really, it's a hashtag. It's a podcast. It's a Twitter chat. It's so many things. It's a website, and I just love what it is they're doing. So I speak to, in this interview, I speak to Kirsten Schultz. That's not Kristen. Very careful t- to let you know. It's not Kristen. It's Kirsten Schultz. She's awesome. She's funny. Our interview was just us really laughing for an hour about the realities of disability and chronic illness and trying to navigate sex. And I love that she's so funny. Like, we literally giggled the whole time you'll hear. We're laughing throughout most of the interview, and it's just fun, and we we make jokes, and it's just really relaxed. And it's really great that she's able to navigate. And you'll hear, she, she reads off a laundry list of illnesses that she's contending with every day. And she's able to talk about that and her relationship with sexuality with such ease and such comfort. It's taken her a long time to get to that place, as she says, but it's great that she's using her experience to create a movement around chronic illness and disability. So here's my interview with Kirsten Schultz around chronic sex and disability right here on Disability After Dark. Kirsten Schultz, I'm so excited to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? I'm doing so well, Andrew. How are you? Good. I'm so glad that we could finally talk again. We <laughs> we tried to record this episode months ago, and we got it until I listened back to the recording, and it just didn't sound good, and I was not pleased about it at all. I know. Isn't it so awful? We have to talk to each other again? Ah, oh. Right? <laughs> It's so much work. No, no, no. I love talking to you. We have, we're going to have another great conversation. So I've told the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. And I love chronic sex chat and I love all that stuff. Can you 
kind of tell us about all that and how that came to be? Yeah, so Chronic Sex is a website and a chat that I've started that um, focuses on how chronic illnesses, chronic pain and disability, all that stuff affects our lives in ways that people who don't have them often don't realize or see. Um, So like how obviously those things affect our sex life or even our sexuality. Like, do we feel like we can be sexy? Um, Do we feel like we have to kind of go with the devotee type people to like have a sex life, you know, like all of that stuff. Um, But then also like general relationship stuff, whether it's like with your doctor or your partner or whomever, and then um, how we relate to ourselves. So I, I have a firm belief that like how we talk to and take care of ourselves really ripples throughout all of our relationships and especially through our sexuality. Totally. So that's why it focuses on like a kajillion things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I've noticed like I'm, I'm watching your feed and I see you on Twitter and Facebook all the time, and you you post stuff that isn't necessarily about sex or sexuality, but if you really look into it, it does connect back to that conversation. I know it's so interesting. Like as I started to start this, um, you know, I really wanted to keep it focused on sex, and then I was like, well, no. Like, there are so many people I know who have disabilities or chronic illnesses that a lot of what's wrong with their sex lives is also what's wrong with their relationships. And so we have to include that, and we have to include this, and, like, <laughs> it snowballed out of control just a tad. Yeah, so I mean, there's so that's why, I, well, that's why I run two podcasts. I run this one, which is primarily about sex, and I also run Disability with Drew, which is primarily about just disability culture generally because there's so much we could talk about in either you know in either way but and they all it all overlaps so i think the fact that you're using chronic sex to and i mean chronic sex is great because it when i first saw it i was like what is this and like the logo is amazing if you guys haven't seen the logo look it up it's my favorite can you kind of explain like i I think you told me before but what is the logo what does it mean again so the logo kind of looks like a heart that's made with like different colored tiny scraggly bandages almost. So it pulls in kind of the rainbow thing cuz I'm queer and yeah, I want it to be like awesome. See, this is why we're pals. We're queer and we talk about sex. <laughs> Togetherness. Yes. Yay. But so I wanted to pull in that because like that was really important for me. Um, but then also, like, I really like the idea that it kind of looks like this heart has kind of been bandaged, because that is essentially what so many of us are trying to do, right? Is we're trying to repair not only, like, our physical bodies or if we have uh, mental illnesses or anything like that. Like, we're not only trying to fix those things, but we're trying to kind of fix our whole heart. So it's all just, like, one whole pretty heart again, (laughs) It was it was really interesting. I actually like roped my husband into looking at it and um he was like I had a couple of different things pulled up and he was like, No, you have to do that one and he explained to me why. And so now it's like this cool together thing that we've done, which is kind of fun. I don't think I heard that version of the story, so that's super like I, I now that I'm now when I look at the heart I'll see the bandages and I think that's really cool because I think I agree people with disabilities and chronic illnesses and invisible disabilities are often bandaging up their emotions and trying to keep everything together and trying to keep everything in and trying to make sure that, that everything's going and there's a lot of emotional labor that goes in with that oh totally so much emotional labor like holy crap <laughs> yeah. yeah tell me there's a ton of emotional labor trying to be disabled and navigate disability or navigate illness and trying to also navigate sexuality. Um, so I didn't tell the audience about your types of illnesses or, or disabilities. Can you share that with us? Sure. So I have a huge laundry list. I won't go into kind of the more mundane things. <laughs> you can. If you, want to, if you want to break it all down, we're here for you. You've got time. I mean, you know... <laughs> I'd have to pull up my electronic health record to actually remember it all, which is really kind of sad. But, um... Kind of amazing all at the same time. Right? I kind of love that it's there. Yeah. 
Um, so I have uh, Stills disease, which is also known as systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis. It's um, actually an auto-inflammatory disease, which means that the more... Um, like the innate immune system, because you have two. The one that's kind of more primal is trying to kill me. <laughs> you know. Oh yeah. As you do. Just that's yeah, that's what happens. It's no big deal. It's fine. Um it it misreads things very similar to lupus and rheumatoid arthritis. It misreads things as being an intruder or as being hurt when they're not. And so you get a lot of swelling, a lot of rashes, things that your body um, normally does if you have an infection or an injury to try to heal that space, yeah. but it's actually harming those spaces instead. Wow. So, yeah. So that's my big one. Um, but I have things like asthma, depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, fibromyalgia is definitely another biggie for me. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that go with that, but the biggest problem for me is, um, it actually has affected a lot of my neck and shoulder muscles. And so actually, as we're talking right now, I have like one of those thermocare heat wraps <laughs> over my neck so that I can like move. <laughs> oh, awesome. So I'm yeah. picturing like a giant big, one of those big, like warm thermographs. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically that's that's my life right now. <laughs> awesome. Do you have glitter on it? Is it like sexified? Oh my god, I should do that. Yeah. I should so do that. Put some glitter on it. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Ooh, I like this idea. Glitter on the thermocare heating bed. <laughs> I like it. It's truly the glamorous life when you put glitter so on glamorous. it. Of course, yes. Um so, so that's a, that is quite a list of disabilities to have to contend with. And so how, I mean, you, having known you and, and seeing your work and talking with you before, I know how upbeat and how like positive you are, but all the, all of the things you do and how like, not necessarily like overly positive, but you just, it's just your life and you deal with it. How did you get to that point where you could say, okay, I have like 70 million things happening to me all at once how I, here I am managing it. Um, it took a while. So like I got sick when I was five. Um, that's when the Stills disease hit and we couldn't figure out what was going on with me for a really long time. It took almost a year, um, a couple months short of a year for us to get the diagnosis. And in the meantime, I had been misdiagnosed with a number of things, including like leukemia. And I was given six weeks to live. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Like right before my sixth birthday party, which was really awkward for my birthday party. <laughs> Cause like everybody showed up, like everybody's parents actually stayed and I got all these great presents, Felt like all the parents were just sad and it just, it was kind of a bummer of a birthday party. I love how the word you used to describe the the feeling was not terrifying, not scared, just awkward. It's just awkward and like somber. I don't know. It was weird. A somber um, sixth birthday party. I don't think I've ever envisioned that in my whole. I don't think I know what that. I don't think I would know what a somber sixth birthday party is supposed to look like. Is I wish I could like draw because I swear if I could draw like these memories it would be kind of creepy like <laughs> it could be something it. it could be something that like tim burton picks up or something <laughs> yeah maybe you should do a chronic sex comic <gasps> oh my goodness why haven't why <laughs> yes <laughs> yes like a chronic sex comic would be amazing disability after dark and chronic sex should do something together yes and it could be like oh joy sex toy <sighs> yeah we have. We will discuss this for sure. This is a great idea. See, audience, this is why it's awesome that when when I have people that do cool sex things, we can talk to each other about cool sex ideas. And then on for the podcast, just for you, you can say I listened to them when they came up with that idea together. Yeah, or you could even reach out and be like, "Hey, I'm a badass drawer," and then like you could help us with the comic. <sighs> Amazing. Let's. Yeah. So I'm gonna when this episode airs. 
which will be, we're recording, and it's coming out in a couple of weeks. When you guys hear this, I'm going to put a bunch of links to Chronic Sex, obviously, and all the things that Kirsten does. But I think we should also talk about a Chronic Sex and Disability After Dark comic. Whoa. Or a zine. <gasps> Ooh. So Ooh. many ideas. Oh so my God. many ideas. I'm too excited right now. My mind is a flutter with, with possibility. <laughs> um, so how does all of this stuff, and I want to get back to the kind of the, the sexier part of this yeah. discussion. How does all this stuff affect your sex life? Um, it's been interesting. So obviously, like growing up with all this shit, like I started being sexual with all this stuff. Um, and so it was awkward at first because I thought stuff was just normal. Like I didn't really, you know, when when you get sick or injured or experience a disability when you're a child, it doesn't really always enter into your mind that that's not what everybody's going through. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways, actually, as you're saying that, like in a lot of ways, somebody who was born with a congenital disability like me and you, um, we don't, there isn't, there's a different type of trauma that we go through yeah. um, where it's not so much like I am becoming disabled. It's like, how do I live with the fact that I am disabled. And I think you, that doesn't hit you until you're about 12, 13, 14, and you yep. start noticing that you're not like everybody else. Yep. And then, like, I don't know what it was like for you, but I got, like, really pissy and angsty. <laughs> oh, yeah. I went through my whole Alanis Morissette jagged little pill, like, oh, in my yes. room, freaking out, 1995, Andrew, not talking to anybody because I hated all this shit. I can't deal with it. Yeah, that was me. Oh, my God. I love that so much that we, like, have that shared experience. <laughs> Yeah. Did you also go in your room and blast Linus Morissette? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, I did a lot of Fiona Apple, too. Um, Criminal. Yeah. God, yeah. Oh, man. Criminal is like my, my favorite dirty, yeah. just nasty song. But it doesn't feel that dirty if you read the lyrics. But it's just... Yeah, I know. The way she did it, she brought... The, and that's the song that I would fuck to, P.S. Yes. Anybody listening, I'll fuck you to that song. Really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, growing up with disabilities, and you were saying... I, I kind of cut you off and went on a tangent there. But you were saying when you grew up, it kind of... Um, you didn't really... It's something you didn't really know... Didn't really understand that wasn't normal. Yeah, like, I just kind of... And and I think that colors my perception of stuff, too, is, like, I was just like, well, I wake up and I feel like shit, and I still got stuff to do. So, you know, it's just it's just part of my life. It's just, like, I don't know, putting on my Wonder Woman underwear. Like, it's not, it's not any different for me. Do you have Wonder Woman underwear? I do have Wonder Woman underwear. <laughs> I think you might need to send me a picture of you wearing those. I should... You should so do that and you can Please. put it up. Oh my god. I'll put it up on the day that this goes live. I'll put it up just for you. Oh my god. I, I totally will have to do that. I think I have to do laundry, but I'll have to do that. Um, but yeah, like, and, and so as I started being sexual, like, I didn't really realize that maybe, you know, other people in their teens weren't necessarily thinking about how can I position these pillows so we can, like, fuck doggy style without my knees exploding. <laughs> or, not, I mean, they don't literally explode. They just feel like they want to. Um, that 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 sounds worse than if they actually did. I know, Cause, right? Because <laughs> if your knees exploded, then you'd have relief. But if it just yes. feels like they are the whole time, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I I would like to be mobile after sex and so like trying to figure that or out during sex yeah i mean like that would be great too if i didn't feel like i was just like a rag doll <laughs> yeah just because your body is hurting and like yeah yeah and i i understand it from a different context the idea of positioning or i would love it i would love there to be a period of time where positioning wasn't something that i constantly had to think about with with and i agree with pillows and like Asking the person to move you over. In my case, like I'll, I'll be like, "Hey, person that I'm fucking, do you think you could just like move my body over so that I can get, cause I can reach your, your, you know, cock better, so I can finish that blowjob for you properly." <laughs> like I understand the trouble of wishing that you could just do it yourself. 
Yeah, totally. And I feel like that's something that, like, a lot of people, even, like, people we fuck, right? Like, they don't understand. I mean, I've been with my husband for, holy fuck, 10 years as of, like, this coming September. So not quite 10 years. Yeah. I feel kind of like I want to vomit, but it's okay. Um <laughs> But isn't that kind of your baseline? Like <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so <laughs> I ate today, so kind of yeah. yeah. Um but just like the realization that like holy crap, I we've been fucking each other for like 10 years. This is ridiculous. Um But yeah, like even now it's not always easy for me to vocalize some of those things or for us to have some of those conversations. And, like, I'm a fucking sexuality educator person. Like, I should yeah. know this. I teach people how to have these conversations. And it's so funny because I also am a sexuality educator. And so like, we do the same thing. Very similar. We do very similar things. And, like, having, telling, teaching somebody about sex externally from with that from outside my experience versus like living the experience it's so funny how i can tell you how to have the conversation but could i have the conversation myself fuck no no (laughs) no and it fucking sucks like so earlier um like i don't know like august september ish of or september of 2016 um i finally had the conversation with my husband that like Hey, so since my neck is really, really, really bad right now, when we fuck and I'm on bottom, if I have a pillow or anything under my head, even your hand, as much as I love when you caress me like that, um, I have to, like, sit in this awkward, like, bent over position in the bathroom for a little bit so that it doesn't hurt for my neck to be straight. (laughs) And, like... Being really worried that he was going to think it was something that he was doing. Yeah, and so, and having to, like, like, I can't even picture, I'm trying to picture, like, the position that you're in, and it almost sounds like you're, like, in a position where you're, like, kind of vomiting over the toilet while you're waiting for your neck to feel better. Yeah, kind of. And it's just, like, this is not how a post-sex life should be. Yeah, this is not, that, that is, there's no, I don't, I don't know if it's possible to make that conversation sexy. Right? Like, hey, would you like to not break my neck today? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, stranger. Do you want to not give me paralysis right now? (laughs) Right? It's just like, oh, how about not setting off my migraine today? Like, this is not... There is no way to make this conversation hot and steamy. I mean... But the conversation could be hilarious, as, as we're noting right now. Yes. Like, it, could, it, it could be pretty funny. <laughs> it could be. I, I will admit, like, usually my husband and I joke around a lot. But um, I was in a really vulnerable position, like, telling him this. And so I was actually really scared that he was going to joke around and I was, like, not in the mood for it. And you were just not ready to, like, do any of that. Because it's a bit, you know, it's a big deal to tell your partner it's funny we always talk about coming out as disabled and that's something that i have written about a lot and talked about a lot and mentioned a lot in the work i do and people think that when you come out once you've come out but i think when you're a disabled person you constantly constantly every day have to come out in other special ways and even if the person loves you and even if the person is totally invested in you uh, to have to tell them to have to reveal another part of yourself like that can be really trying and hard yeah it's i think for me too i had just gotten back from um like presenting at two different conferences and so i was really i had been like hanging out with other people like us and it was really like a safe space there and so i think coming back and having to finally admit that I was, like, struggling with some of our sex techniques, like, was really hard, too. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't want him to think I'd been, like, talking shit about him for two weeks or, you know, like, something like that where, like, 
and not that he would, but this is the kind of stuff that like goes through our minds, right? Is like, well, I don't want to make him feel bad, so I'm not gonna tell him that like I need more lube or <laughs> whatever because I don't want to make it awkward. And then I don't want to be the one, the disabled one, to make it awkward. Like if and if they if they ask you for more lube, you'd be like, oh yeah, whatever, sure. But if it's us having to ask, it's like. Oh. I'm just adding another burden to this thing. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm a burden. And nobody wants to feel like they're a burden. But I think we inherently do. There's so much that we end up having to kind of rely on others for or something like that. Like, you know, I I quit my job at the end of May last year to be able to do chronic sex full time and really kind of develop it. And so I think that was part of it too. Like thinking about it now is like, well, I'm reliant on him for like my health care. I'm reliant on him for like money and food and all this stuff. And yeah. now like, here, let me tell you how to fuck me. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you're relying on this person for all the things that you would normally be able to, 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 provide for yourself with the job but you it's a big step to, to and I think what people don't realize is when when we I'm a freelancer and I, I work for myself with disability after dark and all the stuff that I do I, I, I work pretty specifically for myself so I know and I used to work a big corporate job so I know how hard it is to say you know what fuck it I'm gonna do this this is my job it's tough to admit that to people that okay I am deciding to be a sex educator in disability, not just a sex educator, because those those are a dime a dozen. But it, I feel like when you commit to to talking about sex in such a such a niche area, yeah. it takes a lot of guts to be like, "This is what I want to do." Yeah, it does, and I think you know, like another part of it was for me was I was just getting sicker and sicker and. I was dealing with a lot of stress at my job and, um, like, just dealing with a lot more pain, having to use more sick days, things like that, too. And so, like, that definitely factored into me leaving and into me really taking chronic sex to, like, this next level because, like, I would have to choose between going to work and anything else I wanted to do in the day, whether it was, like... I'm in the middle of getting my master's right now. So whether it was like working on school stuff or spending time with our pets or like being coherent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's all these things you have to manage because of all the disabilities. And on top of that, if one of them decides to flare up, well, there goes your day. Yeah. Or like three months or. <laughs> yeah. It's or just... your whatever. Yeah. Whatever. And I mean, that can put you know, set the idea of being sexual on hold and the idea of wanting to be sexual. How do you navigate that? Um, so it's interesting for us right now. We are both on some antidepressants because, <laughs> hey, I married someone with severe depression. And... <laughs> it's so fun. And social anxiety. So, like, we both have definitely some fun stuff um that's one big sexy ball of stuff you guys got there that's that's a lot that's a lot of stuff to go through it is it's it's really fun if he's having like a shit mental day and i'm having a shit physical day and i have to like figure out okay is this an okay thing to ask you to do for me or are you like not in the space where you can do some of that yeah and how like how do you manage like a shitty physical day versus you know on top of a shitty mental day like how how what like how i mean like i i kind of try to take it situation by situation like shitty day by shitty day um i have gotten a lot better over you know nine years about speaking up when i'm having some shitty days and so i think that helps because before i wouldn't And then, you know, he'd be having a shitty mental day and I'd be having a shitty physical day and we'd both just kind of brood. (laughs) like. And that that doesn't, it doesn't work. Which helps nobody because you're in pain physically, he's in pain mentally. So like, 
no one's helping anyone. Right, exactly. Um, And especially, like, for me, part of my PTSD stuff stems from, like, growing up in the home I grew up in. And it was very um, kind of neglectful, abuseful, bleh. And so for me, part of this, too, has been if someone is quiet, it is because I did something wrong, because they are withholding attention. And so for my husband, who is an introvert, dealing with social anxiety and severe depression, um, (laughs) sometimes that leads to me having some shitty mental feels when he's also having shitty mental feels because, like, I can't... Like, like I internalize it as something I did. Yeah, and he's probably doing the same thing. Being like, well, what... Yeah, so that's, like, that's a lot to deal with. So, like... Given all the shit you have to deal with, how do you like? When does fucking happen? Do, get, like, I mean, I'll be I'll be super honest. Like, we don't have sex that much anymore. Like, I mean, I was his first, and so like when we first started having sex, it was like giving a kid a new toy, right? He was like, "Yes, I love this. I want to play with this toy all day," and like, hey, that was great. I mean, <laughs> my vagina's. A- Definitely appreciated some of the rest, but like, <laughs> amazing. What? Amazing. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it's it's just been weird. Um, the last little while, it's probably been like maybe once a week or once every other week, which really isn't that bad. Um. But before we both got on antidepressants, it was just much more common. And so, um, like, we had just gotten married, too. So I'm sure there's all that going on. But, um, you know, it it used to happen much more often. I think one of the difficult things for me, again, like, being super honest, is that sometimes, like, if my husband's not in in the mood... And I try to do something sexy, he just thinks it's ridiculous and silly. <laughs> so then, like, I just kind of go, oh, okay. Like, like, I'm just trying to give it a shot. I'm in the mood. Like, yeah. I just wanted to send you a sexy picture while you were at work, but okay. Like, <laughs> you want me later, and I'm here for you later. Okay, bye. Right. And so, so that's been like, awkward because then i don't initiate that much because i'm like well are you just gonna say i'm silly um so it it really like he has to initiate which isn't necessarily the funnest for him either so it's it's definitely tricky like kind of navigating i I kind of call it like the caregiver caregivey thing because we both have to kind of swap on that a lot and it's It sucks. <laughs> and I'm sure that takes its toll on your, like, emotional help. Oh, yeah. Like, God, a couple weeks ago, I, like, right after election stuff here, <clears throat> I... Um, um, oh, God. I was right? I was dealing with yeah. some really intense emotions, obviously. I think we all were. <laughs> Even though I'm on the northern side of the border and I'm in Canada, I understand your pain. No. Oh, God. You guys have been, like... Every person that I know from Canada has been so kind and like offering to do a lot of emotional labor for us, and it just we're just like Jesus fuck. Sorry about your situation. Guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Honestly, I've been listening to a lot of like Canadian podcasts right now too, <laughs> which has been really fun. Like, there's there's a really good one that's like not sex related at all, but really funny, um, and it's. Grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Amazing. I have not heard of it, but I'm oh. going to look it up right after this. You should. It is so good. It's so good. Like, some people read their diaries. Some people read letters home from camp. Like, all sorts of stuff. But it is, like... I mean, it touches sex a lot, obviously. Yeah, because kids are writing... You know, kids at 13, 14, 15, 16 are writing about <laughs> sex. But, like, that's an amazing idea for... Like, I wish I thought of that. Right? They do um they do pop-ups in different places across Canada. So you definitely will have to look them up cuz you um, I might have to tweet them and be like, "So, I'm here. Let me read. <laughs> I brought let some me, things." Like, yeah, let me read my journals from when I was 12 and realizing that I might be queer but not know how to say it. Oh my gosh, do you still have those? 
Somewhere I'm sure I do. And I, I, when I got a little bit older, remember that show Felicity? Yes. When I got a little bit older, I, I, I had a tape deck in my, in my room for the express purpose of sending my friends tape letters because I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I never actually sent the letter, but I recorded them all thinking it was, I was going to be so cool and so hip. And I wish I could find them. I don't know where they are. They're probably long gone. But yeah, that's an amazing idea for a podcast. It's an amazing idea. Oh, that that would be so fantastic if you could find those tapes. Can you imagine? Could, it, it would change the shape of this podcast. For <laughs> yes. <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that's incredible. And I, I think I would listen to that. But yeah, so you, you were saying you went through some shitty feels with the election, of course. Yeah. And... um. You know, people not quite understanding what this winds up meaning for a lot of people who are disabled here um, and a lot of, you know, just hostility and kind of uh, tone policing, you know, where people tell you, oh, it'll be fine. Just calm down when they don't know what they're talking about. And it's like, no, for you, it might be fine. For me, it could be shit. <laughs> right. Like you're a cishet white male i'm sure that you will live <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, i'm sure you'll have no problem but some of us are not cishet white males <laughs> or able to like yeah. just but um and so after that um was dealing with just i had my husband and i actually had our first fight in nine years <laughs> and <Wow>. yeah <laughs> And it was like, we both... What has Trump done? He's making the people fight. <laughs> well, so we both hate conflict, which is why I think it's taken nine years. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, it's good, but then it's also bad, because then I just, like, get in the shower and angrily sing Hamilton tunes at him. Like, <laughs> that's that's right what I did right after this fight, actually. <laughs> so, like... I got stuff to put together a pantry because our apartment is shit and we needed a space for food. Right. And, you know, was putting it together. And he had gotten home from work as I was putting this together and was putting the food on there. And he was playing this farming simulator game, like, that's supposed to be for game. kids, he but he really likes it. It's fun. Yeah. I can't. Makes me cringe. Why would someone <laughs> sit there and... Why would you sit there and play a farming game? I don't understand. I would much rather watch porn. Like, right, but he, porn. he just likes plowing those fields instead of, like, plowing other fields. Plowing you. <laughs> <laughs> like, you could shave... You. I'm like, you could shave my pubes if that would help. And, like, you could, like, shave them like you're, like, taking down the stalks of wheat. I don't know. Like, <laughs> how do I turn this farming simulator sexy? Like... Taking down the stalks of wheat. <laughs> so good. But, um, so I'm putting together this pantry and I, like, I was really annoyed because he kept, like, looking over at me but was still playing his game. I had headphones in and was listening to music. And, like, I really wasn't feeling good physically. I hadn't been for a while. And so I was really annoyed <laughs> that he's, like, sitting there playing this stupid-ass video game. And so as I was done, I got up and I told him, like, hey, I'm done with that. Um, was it fun playing your video game that's supposed to teach you about hard work while you were watching your wife actually do hard work? And <laughs> right? I was like, that was the best I could muster like, with my anger. Yeah, it was pretty good. And so then he retorts, oh, how was your long nap this morning? And I just was like, nope. <laughs> I like November 9th, right after the It was close. I think it was I think it was after um Thanksgiving, but but it was it's recently. Um and I was just like, Oh yeah, sorry, I didn't sleep at all last night because I was in an absurd amount of pain that you don't understand and experience. So that was actually the only sleep so... I got. Yeah, okay, so so my question about the pain that he's in and the pain that you're in, do you guys ever just, like, fuck it out of each other? Oh, God. 
oh, you know, sometimes he will fuck it out of me. Like, if he knows that I'm really hurting, sometimes it, like, comes from this weird nurturing place of, like, well, I'm going to make you orgasm and feel better. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, can you use your chronic pain to be like, well, this hurts. I got to feel better. And if I fuck, the endorphins that I need will come out. <laughs> is that how it works or am I wrong? No, like, that's totally how it works for me. Um, My trick is, like, doing it in a space where I'm then, like, not hurting myself somehow in the process. Okay. Is the trick, like, whether I'm, like, masturbating or, like, my husband and I are fucking, like, you know, like, again, with, like, the pillow under my head or, you know, something like that, like, trying to figure out a way where I can, like, somehow make up for whatever my body is lacking for at the moment, too, like, So you feel like there's a sense when you have sex, you have to constantly police yourself to make sure that, like, nothing happens so you can perform, you think? Um, I think that's definitely part of it, like, especially, like, and this doesn't happen very often anymore for my poor husband, but, like, if I'm on top, like, I definitely am policing myself, which is hard because I'm also, like, fighting kind of that internalized ableism slash porn idea that I need to, like, look super sexy, like... As I'm, like, riding a dick? I don't know. It's just really weird. I've never ridden a dick, so I don't really know what the face you're supposed to make is when that's happening. If anybody would like to show me, I'm (laughs) always available for classes. Oh, my God. I love you so much, Andrew. I can't even express. (sighs) We, see, Kirsten and I, when we first started talking, um, the first time we recorded the interview... You told me something about your husband that I have to bring back because it's my favorite. So I'm going to let you share that story. Oh, my God. Okay. So um, one of the things that I like to talk about when I talk about sex with people is that, like, sex isn't always super serious. It's not somebody showing up and being like, I'm going to fuck you silly or, like, what? I don't know. Like, it's not like that. Has sex ever with anybody ever really in true life been like, I'm going to fuck you never in my life? Has somebody been like, I'm going to fuck you, silly. It's never that. It's always, like, quiet. And maybe that's because of the disability. Like, maybe it's because I'm disabled. They feel like they can't be that dirty, rough person. But I've never had a guy be like, I want to fuck you, silly. Never. I would have been like, oh, okay. Cool. (laughs) Right? I would have been, like, instantly wet. Like, yes. Okay. Let's go. (laughs) But, like... Like, for me and my husband, like, he is the master of puns. He cracks jokes all the time. So what you're saying is your husband and I would get along very well. Me and you puns, are. I can't think of any right now because I feel like I'm on the spot about it, but I love them so much. <laughs> you guys would get along so well. It's intense. Um, the guest on the podcast, I would oh love to have him. Oh, my God. If I can ever, like, <laughs> get him to get over his social anxiety. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I have to call to order his pizza sometimes, which, like, I totally get. But then it's also, like, I have social anxiety a little bit, too, and I would like you to call to order your pizza. <laughs> but I understand. The, I love it when somebody orders for me and I don't have to do anything. I can just <gasps> like, dang, it's coming. Awesome. Right? Oh, it's so nice. But But so with us, sex can get really silly. And there was this one time... And I don't quite remember entirely everything about it, but, like, we were kind of fooling around, and then I was, like, I think I asked something about, like, are you sad I don't make, like, more noises when we fuck? Because I don't, like, scream people's names. I'm not, like, do it harder. Like, that's not... (laughs) Right, like, that's not me. Like, I moan, but I'm not, like, super porn star. Like, that's not me. Yeah. Um... Plus, I've fucked enough times where I have to be quiet that it's just really hard to get over that. (laughs) So I I just can't. Um, And he was like, no, like, what kind of noises would you make anyway? And I was like, I don't know, like animal noises or something. And he's like, you mean like panda noises? And I was like, okay. And like, I just kind of like lost that because he started kissing my neck. And I was like, ooh. 
And and we start like fucking and it's great. And then he just kind of stops and looks at me and I'm like, what what did I do? Like what happened? And he was like, panda noises. Oh no, he starts going. Yes, like in rhythm with his thrusts. It was just. Oh my God. And were you like laughing? I would have just stopped and been like, I can't. It is so difficult to orgasm and laugh at the same time. Like I can't. At least, like, for women. Like, I don't know what it's like for guys, but, like, or I, to be more inclusive, at least for, like, vagina havers, not necessarily for penis havers, but, like, oh, my God. Like. I like the vagina haver, penis haver distinction. I've never heard that before, and I think I'm going to use that from now on. Um, you totally should. It's it's kind of my favorite, except that my phone will autocorrect haver to hacker. So one time I called <laughs> myself a vagina hacker, and somebody was like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Um, I see what I like about it is given all the stuff that you talked about at the beginning and all in your diagnoses, you could, you know, the, this conversation could have been a lot more depressing. But <laughs> yeah. what I what I think is really cool about what you do and why I I support chronic sex so much is that you've been like fuck it, this is what it is. I'm gonna put it out there. Um, how does it feel for you? Like I remember when I started doing this, how terrified I was to actually say this is what I do and I, I never felt like it was a real thing I never felt like it was a real job and I always would say oh no you know it's just a thing I do it's a thing on the side and I guess this is what it is but once I you know put it in print and made a card and made like contacts and started doing it I realized that okay this is what I do I'm gonna be the guy that talks about being queer and be disabled and talk about queer sex um so how does it feel for you to like know that that's your job it's, like, really fucking surreal. Like, really surreal. Um, One of the conferences I went to in September of 2016, I met Kate McCombs, who is, like, amazing. amazing. Oh, God, I love her so much. Like, and, and we're, like, the weirdest, like, connection. Like, she, I, I've spent some time with her since then, and she introduces me to people as, um, if somebody was trying to catfish me, this is who they'd create. Like, <laughs> Amazing. Like, right? Like, we both love Star Trek. We both talk about sex. We both deal with, like, migraines. Like, all this stuff. It's amazing. Um, And, like, I was on a call with her after that conference. And we were organizing... Um, this other trip that we did to the Pacific Northwest where we did some of her workshops and she was like, Oh, you know, you know how good you are. Right. And I was like, what? Like, no, like, I just got lucky that you really like me. I don't know why y'all think I'm doing like this badass thing. And like, she was like, no, like <laughs> you need to listen. Like I don't make time for people that much. Like, other sex educators don't make time for people that much unless the person they are working with or talking to is, like, really good at what they do. <laughs> and, and isn't that always, like, I, whenever people tell me that, too, because I've had, I've had some people tell me that, like, they love my work and thank you, thank you, and I'm always like, oh, I'm humbled, but you're kidding, right? Like, I'm just... I'm doing it, but it's not really that good, right? Like, what? What? Right? I don't know how to feel about this. No, it's so fucking weird. And, like, honestly, one of the things I really loved, we were, like, Skyping or FaceTiming or something, and my husband was in the other room, and he walked in, and he was, like, after I was done talking to Kate, and he was like, see, I told you you're good at it. Like, <laughs> and it was just, like, sometimes we need to hear it from somebody who we feel is sometimes somehow in some position of authority to yeah. like really get it to sink in. But that's when it started sinking in for me that like, Oh, so people like are talking to you about this stuff. Cause they actually like think I'm good at talking about it. And like, this is my life. Like, it's really weird. It's really weird, but like in the best yeah. way, it's like people give a shit about what I'm doing. What? Wow. People are noticing me. What? Wow. Like, okay. Right. All like, right. I don't feel like I've done that much, but then, like, when other people are like, well, look at you've done this and this and this, I'm like, oh, shit. I guess I have. Yeah, like, thank you for, thank you for, I guess, thank you, but it always feels like, it all, I, I go through, as a disabled sex educator, I go through imposter syndrome every oh, day. Oh, yeah, 
Yes, 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 yes. Every other day where it's like, I don't, this is not, I'm not doing good. Someone's going to find out that I'm not good at this. Someone's going to find out that I can't do this. And someone's going to like rat me out and then my whole thing is done. <laughs> right? Like, I was actually thinking about that this morning. Um, it's It's pretty good today, but like yesterday and the day before, I had a pretty bad migraine. And you actually, weirdly enough. See, I swear we're like twins somehow. I know, twins somehow. (laughs) It's like that, what was that movie with like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger? I think it was just called Twins. Twins, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like, so like this morning I was just like really low key. I answered some emails. I watched some shitty, scary movies. And I was just sitting here going like, this is my life. And I, what? Like, somehow Uh, equating, like, this idea that I was taking care of myself this morning to, like, well, I'm not really good at doing my job, because if I was, I'd be hustling 95% of the time, like. And hustling when you're disabled, it looks different. Like, it's not, I think people need to understand when you work as a sex educator with a disability, hustling means you're on social media. It means you're answering emails. It means you're trying to coordinate traveling trips if you... Especially for me, I have a mobility device issue. So if I'm in my wheelchair and I have to travel, I have to plan all that. I have to explain all the things. So it takes, like I was saying earlier, it takes guts to be, to do this work and to be confident in doing this work. And I think there needs to be more of us. Like I love, I haven't listened to your podcast yet. I should, I need to. I haven't. Shame on me. I'm going to, I have to. But I think it's so cool that you've you've decided. Like, I th- just think that the more voices we have out there talking about this stuff are so are so important. Totally, and I think too, like the way you and I do it, it's so like unapologetically kind of that like we're here, we're queer, we're crippled. Like, deal with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you feel as a disabled person talking about sex? How do you feel about the word cripple? Like, is that co- mm. a comfortable word for you? For me, it is. I. I have really, it's a word that I struggle with. Um, and so if I made anyone uncomfortable just now, I apologize. But like, I, I try to own it, but I think it is a tricky word. Um, especially for me, like, if somebody looks at me, they don't necessarily see that, like, I have mobility issues. Um, and so it can be kind of a problematic word. Um, for a lot of people, especially like some people don't think that those of us who have less visible disabilities should use it and some of those kinds of things. Um, my philosophy is that if a word has kind of been used against me as a slur, then I kind of feel like I am able to try to take that back. Yeah, Um, that's exactly how I feel. And I, I only bring it up because yesterday and by the time this goes live, it'll be weeks, weeks since then but um at the time of recording yesterday when i posted an article that i wrote called four things you should never say to the queer cripple before or no after during or after sex and i used the term queer cripple and i I put four you know important things in the the article and then nobody actually read the article all the comments from huffpo the huffpo readers were like why would you use the word cripple and why would you use the word queer and i just was like i can't like i are you guys even reading the content of what i wrote no they're just reading the title because that's what our world is right now <sighs> i so, say i read the article and i thought it was badass and thank you. thank you i love all your writing anyway but that was just like really so like for me queer is a word that i've recently taken on um, and, and it's tricky. It's again, it's kind of one of those things where I know some people don't like it. Some people do like it has a complicated history. It does. It does. Like I am pansexual, which means basically I'll fuck anything if it looks hot. And awesome. <laughs> I mean, like awesome. I'm monogamous right now, but you know, um, I love how you're like, but you know. <laughs> for lack of trying to have conversations about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. 
my poor husband. Um, it's okay. His mother will never listen to this, so we're fine. Um, <laughs> but like, I, for me, I like queer because it doesn't have some of the history that like pansexual, bisexual, the the whole argument over which one is better and all of that, like it doesn't have that part of the history and it makes me feel um, more like I belong in the LGBTQ plus community. Like, Yeah, because it means for me, the reason why I use queer is because it doesn't mean I'm gay. It doesn't, I'm not tied to what people assume yes. a gay man is supposed to be. I can use queer as the umbrella term to mean, yeah, I suck dick. Yep, totally do and love it. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna adhere to your stereotypes. I, re- I refuse to. Hence, queer cripple. I'm like I, the reason why I call myself that quite openly, and why people have contested it is because they they can't. And I think people can't understand that I am comfortable using that term because I'm saying I'm taking all this back from you. You can't stop me. Yeah, I think. I think a lot of it is that they they don't understand why we get to kind of steal their power from them with those words, right? Like, But I mean, it's not even about stealing power because if I'm friends with somebody who's able-bodied and, I, and I'm, re- or I'm dating somebody or I'm fucking somebody that I really care about, I will say to them, call me your cripple. And I'll say, like, that's a word that I, that I am, that, I, that in our relationship together or in our moments together, if you really give a shit about me and you want to see my experience, I ask them to use that word with me because then I then I know that they understand that that you are starting to see my whole reality as opposed to being afraid of it. Oh my god, I love that so much. Like I will tell guys and I I the last person that I slept with, I said you better call me your cripple and he goes, oh, "I can't do that." And I was like, "Yeah, you can. I'm telling you you can." He goes, "Why?" And I was like, "Because I need you to understand that this is part of who I am and if you don't see if you can't see that and you're afraid of that then we have a problem yeah i love that so much it fights that um erasure of like people when they're like oh i don't see color i don't see ability like that and it's like well you should because i do like i respect the fact that you're a person of color with a disability like i i see that about you and like your experience as a person with a disability and as a person of color like that would matter. It matters. Like It's so important. Like That experience cannot be erased and shouldn't be erased by well-meaning, typically white, able-bodied, cisgendered people who are like, I don't see your stuff. Why can't you see my stuff? And it's a, we have a real problem if you can't. If you, it, somebody said something to me, a porn star friend of mine, uh, Brendan Patrick, we did, a, we did a bunch of interviews for my old podcast, and he said something that I'll never forget, and it stuck with me. Every single time we talk, I make him say it again. And every single time he's on he's on whatever version of the podcast I'm doing at that time, I make him say it again. He said, you know, if they don't see your chair, they're apologizing for it. Or you're, or you're apologizing for it. And you should never apologize for that. And I just was like, oh, that's the hardest thing that anybody's ever said. So that's how I feel about my disability. I want you to see it because I don't want to apologize for it. No, it's just a part of life. Like... Some of us wind up not being able-bodied. Woo! Like, it exists. And And oftentimes, in in many ways, not in every way, but in many ways, in terms of our our sex lives, I think we're better off for it. I've had, and I wouldn't know because I've never been able-bodied, but I, I would imagine, given all the different things that I've had to manage, and you too, we have a different connection with our sex than possibly an able-bodied person. Yeah, I mean, like... I use orgasm often as a pain reliever, like fucking. Me too. Yep. Right, like especially like the societal bullshit about like, well, I'm not gonna give you pain medicine because you're too young. <laughs> but like, okay, so I'm just gonna like writhe in pain for the rest of my life. Like, no, I'm gonna like actively try to do something. Aka, I masturbate a lot. <laughs> I kind of want that to be the title of the show. Oh my god, you should! 
I masturbate a lot. An interview with Kristen Schultz. Oh Doing it. That's what's happening. That is like my favorite thing. Oh my god. I might also what I might do is I might take that and I might I might take that clip of you saying that and put it at the end of the episode. <laughs> because it's so funny. It might also be used in future episodes because it's do it. You you so gotta weird. just you just gotta use that everywhere. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Kirsten, it was we could you and I could talk for hours. Oh and when I hit when I hit we're, when I hit like off record, we're gonna so I have so many feelings about everything we just talked about. But how can an audience get a hold of you? Um, well the really easiest way to find how to email me or find um, where chronic sex is at different social media outlets is just to go to chroniccex.org. So chronic like chronic illness, C-H-R-O-N-I-C, sex like sex, org like orgasm, <laughs> and um, you'll find it. Org like or organ. Woo! Oh! <laughs> um, so Kirsten, is there anything you want to let the audience know about chronic sex or just generally something like the the tagline of this podcast is um shining a bright light on sex and disability. Is there any is there any lights that you want to shine on chronic illness or chronic disability with sex that we haven't yet today? Ooh, that's a hard one because we have talked all over the place today. But I, I think probably my favorite thing to remind people of is that just because someone has a disability or an illness does not mean that they are not sexual, don't want to be sexual. Um, asexuality is a very real um, thing, but that is not something that we should or or able-bodied people should kind of assume every person with a disability goes through just like we shouldn't assume everybody uh without a disability is straight or whatnot um just to listen to people and be open-minded and really hear their experiences too as we're going through some of these really um rough times yeah I mean, especially right now, given the climate in America mm -hmm. and the, the climate in America is going to affect the climate up here in Canada. We need to start talking about this stuff more and we need to have conversations around disability that are inclusive. I also think when you were saying that it's important to remember that people with disabilities are sexual, I agree. But I also want to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about asexuality. I have met a bunch of people with disabilities who who proudly have let me know kind of privately almost almost feeling like they are ashamed of it because they don't want people to think that they're just not sexual because they're disabled mm -hmm. they'll come up to me and say oh by the way i'm asexual like whisper it to me and i'll be like oh cool great like that's great like let's talk about that more and they're yeah. like no 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 people, people can't know and i'll be like but it's really important that you tell people it's okay so like I think it's important to remember that people with disabilities can can fall on any part of the romantic mm -hmm. or sexual spectrum, and that's okay. Totally. Totally, totally. Amazing. Kirsten Schultz, I loved having you on. You, it's my favorite guest. I don't think I've laughed this hard during a podcast <laughs> in a while. So that's awesome. Um, thank you so, so much for coming on, and I cannot wait to talk to you again. Aw, oh, thank you. Have a good one. Thanks, you too. One of the things that I've always aimed to do in my work is to make disability accessible. That's kind of been the pinnacle of what I do. That's kind of been the cornerstone of what I've tried to do with my work. And what I love about what Kirsten has created through Chronic Sex, as you can see, she's totally making that accessible via all of her avenues. And, and just our conversation was so honest and so fun. It was so fun to talk about chronic illnesses with her because we laughed about stuff that I think only you could laugh about if you experience disability and sexuality in a very particular way, or chronic illnesses and sexuality. And I love that she can laugh at something that many of us would deem, quote, a tragedy. She's been like, fuck it, this is my reality, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it with the world, and I'm going to be become a resource because I didn't feel like I had any. So she became one, and I really love that she's turned chronic sex into such a movement. 
You should all check it out, and I love that she was a guest. Thank you so much, Kirsten. I can't tell you how important your work is. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to shine a bright light on sex and disability with you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Copyright Notice This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.